and welcome this crisp fall morning. Uh, we're all going to be um, staying snugly warm in our coats and blankets as we worship and listen to the word this morning. Uh, I'd like to read out of Psalm 20. May the Lord answer you in the day of trouble. May the name of the God of Jacob set you up on high and defend you, send you help from the sanctuary, and support, refresh, and strengthen you from Zion. Remember all your offerings and accept your burnt sacrifices. May he grant you according to your heart's desire and fulfill all your plans. We will shout in triumph at your salvation and victory. And in the name of our God, we will set up our banners. May the Lord fulfill all your petitions. Now I know that the Lord saves his anointed. He will answer him from his holy heaven with the saving strength of his right hand. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will trust and boast in the name of the Lord our God. They are bowed down and fallen, but we are arisen and stand upright. O Lord, give victory. Let the king answer when we call. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, for our country this morning. We thank you, Lord, for the President of the United yes, States Lord. of America, yes, Donald Trump. We lift him up, Jesus. Lord, before your yeah. holy throne. Yeah. And we petition you, Lord, for his life. We petition you, Lord, for his health and his strength That's in the right. name of Jesus. Yeah. We ask you, Lord, to fill him. Yes, Lord, with Lord, your healing Lord. power yes, in every part of his body, right. in Jesus' name, Jesus we name. rebuke the plans of the enemy, mm -hmm. and we speak in your good plan, in him, and in our government, Lord, and in our country, in Jesus' name. Jesus name. We speak to his body, Lord, and we say, be healed in the name of Jesus Christ. And Lord, we pray for his Hallelujah. spirit, Lord. If he does not know you, that he would come to know you yes. in the fullness, Lord, of your spirit, in the fullness yes. of your son, Lord, you, in, Jesus in Jesus' name. Lord, we light that Hallelujah. candle for him, Lord, daily, mm -hmm. Lord, in your presence, and we lift up our government in Jesus name. Jesus name we thank you Lord for the care he's getting we pray for his doctors yeah. his yeah. nurses yes. all who are attending to him Lord we pray that uh, healing would go forth Lord and wisdom and revelation mm. would be given in Jesus name. Jesus name and we pray for all those Lord who are ill this morning with whatever illness they have. We speak healing into their bodies in Jesus name, yes. because you are a God that heals Hallelujah. in Jesus name. Thank we you, thank you, Lord, for the worship this morning. We thank you, Lord, for the word this morning, that your purpose yes, and your presence yes, are upon it in Jesus name. And we give you that sacrifice of praise, Lord, as we enter in this morning in Jesus name. Amen. 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 
Sometimes when we sing songs that we have heard a lot, we can sing it without even thinking about the words, can't we? I know I do that too often. The opening hymn is called, It Is Well With My Soul. Now, when do we say that? Well, it says in verse 2, Though Satan should buffet, though trials should come. So we're going to say this morning, It is well with my soul. You're in for a treat and a message about lament from Andrew this morning. And uh, we're singing this because uh, we're going to say, It is well with my soul, even when darkness tries to come against us. So sing with me. There's song sheets back at the table if you don't have one. When peace like a river attended my way When sorrows like sea billows Satan should buffet, though trials should come. Let this blast assurance control. Let Christ pass regarded my helpless estate and hath shed his own blood for my It is well with my soul. It is well. It is well with my soul. My sin, all the bliss of this glorious loss. My sin, not in part, but the whole is nailed to the cross hallelujah i bear it no more praise the lord praise the lord oh my soul it is well it is well with my soul with my soul it is well it is well And Lord, haste the day when my face shall be sight. The clouds be rolled back as a scroll. The trump shall resound and the Lord shall descend. Even so, it is well with my soul. Declare it. It is 
well, it is well with my soul, with my soul, it is well, it is well with my soul. Hallelujah. Amen. <laughs> I say a hearty amen. A hearty amen. A hearty from one. A boy from California. <laughs> yes. Or at least for a long time from California. Uh -huh. Yeah, uh, still am. Still am. That counts. Um, so feel free to go inside if you're chilly. There is no shame in deciding that this is too cold. Um, if you do go inside, just make sure you got your mask on and that your family groups are six feet from other families. There's plenty of chairs in there, so just scoot them around as necessary. And hi to everyone inside. I'm looking that way, but they're looking at me. So hi to everyone inside. Um, and yeah, we'll probably just keep doing it this way. It, it's a little safer to meet outside uh, with COVID. And there is a heater up here near the door. Ooh, cool. If you would like to be outside, actually warmer. Wow. Terrible joke. Um, th there's a heater Game over here, so if there's a family group that... I'll plug it in right after I finish this, and then it will be warmer over there if, for those who want to. Um, we're looking for somebody to help greet and say hi as people come in um, and remind them to put a mask and a uh, name tag on. Uh, that'll be important, especially when we start meeting inside regularly, which will probably be soon, given the weather the way it is. Um, so we'd like to have somebody at the door who can say, hey, welcome, remember your mask, and here's a name tag. Name tags are especially important as we're having new folks come here and there. Uh, it's nice for the new person to make sure they can know everybody's name. It makes them feel more welcome. And it's even more important these days when you can only see tiny slits of people's faces <laughs> to, to know what their name is in case you can't tell. Um, Andrew wanted to wear Batman masks most of the time. Um, then it's even harder to tell who you are, except that everyone would know that it's Andrew because he'll be wearing a Batman mask. Um, and I wanted to give a quick update on Harvest Water Africa. So Pastor Dowson in Uganda, we've been, we pivoted when COVID started uh, because of the lockdown. Um, we have still planted some uh, additional banana farms in Southern Uganda, uh, but the most of the funds that have been raised recently have gone towards uh, people who don't have any jobs and don't have any food. Uh, and so it's we kind of changed from our normal situation of what we do there, uh, building farms and digging wells and that sort of thing, and pivoted towards just saving lives. And he's able to get an entire family food and soap and stuff for two weeks for about 40 bucks, um, which is pretty good. And he just sources that food himself. He negotiated some prices with people who have food in town, and he just goes around and gives that away. So we've been raising money uh, for that. Because um, the, the rule, as far as I know about missions, is that you can't share the gospel with somebody who died. And so if we want to be able to share the gospel with folks, we have to be able to feed them and to get them clean water and to keep them alive. And so that's what's been happening in Uganda. And so as you feel occasionally... Like, man, this is sure rough here. We, we, this 2020 is tough. We've got it hard. Um, remember, as I remind my kids often, hey, we've got it pretty well, <laughs> considering yeah. what most people have to deal with right now. Because yes. um, you've got folks in Uganda that have literally absolutely nothing because they're not able to work. Mm. 
Um, and although they're coming out of lockdown now in some places, many of the jobs that used to exist simply don't exist anymore because the employers don't exist. They don't have jobs, like wow. the jobs are gone and you can't work a job that doesn't exist. Mm. And so we are thankful <laughs> for what we have, amen? Yeah. And so I'm not saying it's wrong to feel like we're a little bit oppressed or that we're going through a tough time, that's, that's true, but let's keep things in perspective and remember that there are those who are a lot less fortunate than we are. And I would encourage you, when you do that, when you find yourself maybe feeling sorry for yourself, uh, to pray for those who do have it much harder than we have it right now. So I encourage you to do that. And let's, let's just do that for a second right now. Father God, we pray for mm. Pastor Dowson in Uganda. We pray for all the people there who are really suffering. And we pray for a miracle. I pray that the, rain, mm. the rains would be sufficient this year. There's, mm. there's some talk of, of famine again. Having just gotten out of a famine, there's talk of another one. And Lord, I pray that that would not happen. I just rebuke that famine in Jesus' name. I rebuke drought. I rebuke uh, farmers not being able to get their crops in or those crops failing. Um, people not being able to go work the fields to get the crops in. I pray that you would provide for people who are there. And I pray that as your church uh, and your people go out to ensure that people have food and have what they need, I pray that um, the truth of your love and your peace and your gospel would go with them and that that would be a good example for um, the area which is predominantly Muslim to see uh, the generosity and love of Jesus Christ. The Christians aren't just after them to try to get them into church, but that God and we really care about their life and about their family. And I pray that people would see that and that their hearts would be softened. And as we continue to worship now, Father God, pray that you would bless us and bless Paul and Karen. They're doing a last minute worship service. We had some changes this morning with personnel, so I pray that you'd bless them. And let's worship the Lord, amen? You may wanna stand, it might be a little warmer if you stand up and maybe move a little bit, but you're welcome to do whatever you need to. Wow, dance, huh? Maybe, maybe it's dance week, yeah. Yeah, yeah it'll, it'll warm you up. I wanna give a testimony uh, about praising and worshiping, and Nate just praise, bless them. He's blessing all of us today when we praise him. Yesterday I thought, oh, what? I, I just, maybe I should go back to bed. I, and I had to speak to my soul. I had to speak to myself. No, get up and go downstairs and read the Psalms with your parents and, and sing a song with Paul. When we started to sing and I read the word out loud, whoa, the whole atmosphere, my whole Brain and heart changed. Wow, so, I didn't even know that, Karen. Th yes, this is a, a, a fact that we are changed by praising the Lord. So thank you for that privilege, Lord, today. Yes, yes. Nothing has changed in heaven today. It's still glorious. Hallelujah. God is still loving us. God is still for us. And so we sing together. I sing praises to your name, oh Lord, praises to your name, oh Lord, for your name is great and greatly to be praised. 
I sing praises to your name. Oh Lord, praises to your name. Oh Lord, for your name is great and greatly to be praised. I give glory. And I, I give, give glory, glory to your name. Oh Lord, glory to your name. Oh Lord, for your name is great and greatly to be praised. I give glory to your name. Oh Lord, glory to your Oh Lord, for your name is great and greatly to be praised. For your name is great and greatly to be we praise him there's something scripture tells us that uh, we exalt him well we don't make him bigger but in our thinking we do so we exalt him today so that we can believe in a God who's exalted over all who's over all the problems that we're facing in our world facing in our state facing in our country so we sing now he is exalted, the King is exalted on high. I will praise Him, He is exalted forever, exalted. And I will praise Your name. He is the Lord, forever Your truth shall reign. Heaven and earth rejoice in his holy name. He is exalted, my king is exalted on high. Let's now personalize it and say, You are exalted, my king is exalted on high. I will praise you. I will praise you. You are exalted forever, exalted, and I will praise your name. You are the Lord, forever your truth shall reign. Heaven and earth rejoice in your holy Exalted, my King is exalted on high. You are exalted, my King is exalted on high. Keep singing, we exalt you, Lord. We lift you up on high, O Lord. We lift you up, O God. You are the glorious God. 
Nothing throws you. Nothing that's happening in the world is throwing you. You've got your own plan. You've got your own ways. We surrender to your way, your will, your plans, oh God. Your truth shall reign, heaven and earth rejoice in your holy name. You are exalted forever, exalted on high. You are exalted, my King is exalted. I just invite you now to see him there. See him as the exalted one. He's over all the things that trouble you, all the things that trouble our country and our world. He's over them. He's not under them. He's not thrown by anything. He hasn't lost any sleep about the things that trouble us. And we can go to him. We can go to him with our needs, with our problems, with our fears, with our doubts, with our anxieties. And we come and we bring them to you this morning, Father. We admit that some of the things that we see, that we read in the paper, concern us. Some it frightens us, maybe. We turn ourselves to you so that you can grant yes, us yes, peace yes. in the midst of the storm. Yes. Next song we're going to sing is a song that we sang some years ago. It's a beautiful song, beautifully written with powerful words. And it relates to the message you're going to hear from Andrew this morning. Look at the words. Hide me now under your wings. Mm -hmm. Cover me within your mighty hand. Why? Well, when the oceans rise and the thunders roar, that's when we need... God to give us stillness and quietness of heart. It's a beautiful song. Sing it with me. Hide me now under your wings and cover me within your mighty when the ocean rise and thunders roar, I will soar with you above the storm. Father, you are king over the flood. I will be still and know you are God. I will be still and know you are God. Find rest, my soul, in Christ alone. Know His power in quietness and trust. When the oceans rise and thunders roll, I will soar with you above the storm. 
Father, you are king over the flood. I will be still and know you are God. I will be still and know you are God. Thank you, Jesus. like to pray for healing for anyone who needs healing uh, anybody inside or anybody watching from home just go ahead and hold out your hands like you're gonna receive a gift and this isn't some sort of magic formula it just is a physical reminder kind of helps us our mind focus like when God often says kneel clap your hands raise your hands things like that those aren't magic they just help our body focus our mind focus on what it is that God's wanting us to do and so let's hold out our hands like we're going to receive something from the Lord. And I pray health and healing over everybody here, everybody watching in Jesus' name. If you are needing healing in a physical sense, mental, spiritual, emotional, whatever it may be, be healed in Jesus' name. Amen. And we're going to have Ducky, I think. Uh, Paul, you may want to remind him because... Um, and I can, as long as we are waiting for Steve, we've been wanting to honor people uh, this month for all the work they've been doing lately uh, here to help with our services, especially on Sunday morning. And there's some people who've been helping here, and I want to thank you for that, uh, for your help recently and in the past. Uh, Luann, you want to just wave? So <laughs> we're going to honor Luann. She's been helping uh, over the summer. She helped a lot with camera work and some other stuff. So thank you very much for helping. We appreciate the service. And Steve has helped a lot in the past with many things, leading groups, guys groups, mentoring, young men, and a lot of other stuff. So Steve Harris, we want to thank you very much for all of your help and service to Lydia House. And Andrew, thank you for being willing to preach today and doing so over the summer. And Amen. Yes, clap for Andrew, too. Um, we want to thank you, Steve, for Ducky. Kids, you can scoot your chairs up. Um, thank you for Ducky and for everything you do every week. Just about everybody here at Lydia House um, serves in one way or another um, in what we do here. And that's cool and good, and it's very biblical. You know, the Bible says, 1 Corinthians um, whenever you come together, everybody should have a psalm or a hymn or a spiritual song or a teaching or a testimony or an encouragement um, or some sort of act of service. And Lydia House embodies that pretty well. Just about everybody here um, is involved one way or another and pitches in, and we really appreciate that. We wanted to highlight that each Sunday um, this month. And the, the, those kids are going to stay a little closer to the heater. So how you doing, Ducky? Are you... Is, does Ducky get cold? Are you cold, Ducky? Is this too cold for you? No? It never gets too cold. Scary for me. Scary for you? Why? Here, you don't really need a mask. Yeah, that's right. I'm better than the rest of you. I don't need a mask. That's right. Why are you so scared of the heater? Well, I could catch on fire. Well, that's true. He's burnable. Yeah, we're burnable too, but not quite as much. Yeah. 
But anyway, when when you get burned, what do you do? I cry. You cry? I didn't know ducks cry. Who cries? Anybody here cried before? Raise your hand. Yes. All right, that's good, that's good. The rest are just flying. That's right, <laughs> they think they're tough. But uh, we're, we're, uh, we have to tell the truth. You're fogging up. Oh, I thought it was the, the cloud, the fog was moving in here. Oh man, I am fogging up. I forgot to wear my contacts. <laughs> then they don't fog up. Yeah, I, I don't need any defoggers. That's right. You got fog in your brain too? Yeah, I know I do. I'm getting foggier as I get older. But, um, but on the theme of crying. Yeah, I thought you guys aren't supposed to cry. No, not supposed to cry. Especially boys. How about, what do you think, Andrew, about crying? If we're boys, are we supposed to be tough and not cry? Not really? That's not really true? No, it's not true. It's okay for ducks to cry? Yeah, it's okay for ducks to cry, okay for boys to cry, yeah. girls to cry, everybody to cry. And you know, um, my wife doesn't cry as much as I do. You wimp! I'm a wimp. <laughs> I know. You know, the only time I cry, well, it's not the only time, but the time I cry most, you know when that is? What? It's at movies. Movies? You shouldn't watch movies! <laughs> you shouldn't watch movies. Well, if at a movie I laugh, is that weird? No, you're supposed to laugh, especially if it's a comedy. Not a bad one, though. No, that's right. So. You took your glasses off. I know, they're just fogging up. I can't see either way. I can't see a thing. You guys are still in a fog. Is that you, Paul? That's me. Okay, that's Paul out there. Yeah, okay, I'll tell you who's who. Hi, Duck. Hi, Duck. That's Ducky to you. <laughs> okay, well, that's, but you know what? That's weird that I cry at movies, but not so much in real life. That's weird. That is kind of weird. I don't know. I laugh at movies. I cry. I just kind of let myself go. Yeah, <laughs> that's weird. Well, it's weird, but I think it's when uh, it's a movie, I feel like I can relax. I don't have to, you know, uh, be strong for anybody. But if someone uh, is crying and say, oh, something terrible happened, and then I feel like I have to be strong for them. And, but you know what? I think they like it even better if I cry. I think so, too. Yeah, because someone once said I started crying, and it was one of my children, and they said, thanks for crying with me, Daddy. Oh, wow. Yeah, isn't that interesting? Uh, it made him feel like I, I really cared about it. Yeah, and you thought you had to be strong. Yeah, I thought I had to be strong. And you know, when I was a boy growing up... In Japan? Yeah, in Japan, especially there, they say, they say, Nakuna! Nakuna! What does that mean? That means... <laughs> Don't cry. Why is that? Because they think you're supposed to be tough. You're a boy. You don't cry. Don't show your emotions in front of everybody. Well, you should do that, right? Yeah, and in the Bible it says we should cry. Cry out to the Lord, right? And show our emotions to the Lord when we're sad, when we're really uh, um, mad or, or, or depressed, or all our emotions we should show to the Lord. Isn't that embarrassing? Well, no, it's not. He knows anyway. And it's better for us. Why is that? Because if you stifle it in, it comes out somewhere. 
Oh, what I caught? Well, in your body, you might get sick in your body or something like that. And you need to show how you feel to each other and to the Lord and tell them how you really feel. And that's what in the Psalms, over and over, it says, pour out your heart before the Lord, for God is a what? Refuge. Refuge for us, yes. Because sometimes we're afraid that if we're mad at God or we're crying, that he'll say, oh, don't cry, or why should you, why, how can you be mad at me? I'm God, and uh, maybe I'll strike you with lightning. Oh, no. Yeah, oh, no, yeah. And you don't want to get struck by lightning. Not especially me. No, that's right. <laughs> no strike. Somebody asked me once, but what does it mean in the Apostles' Creed? From, the, um, the, from then she shall come to judge the quick and the dead. Quick and the dead. Yeah, what does that mean? It means when God starts getting mad and throwing those lightning bolts, either you're quick or you're dead. <laughs> oh, you. I'm crazy, right? Yeah, you're crazy. But anyway, that has nothing to do with the subject. That's right. I'm going to cry now. Yeah, but we should cry out and not hide our emotions. We need to let each other and God know exactly how we feel. And then he can start working on our hearts. If we hide it, he can't help us. Okay, I'm going to bed now. You're going to bed now. I'm going to isolate. Okay, you're going to isolate. Get your glasses on. I'll find them here. They're somewhere. All right. All right. We'll see you later. Bye-bye. Bye-bye, guys. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks, Ducky. Um, Andrew, you can come up and get yourself situated here. And let's pray for Andrew as he comes up uh, to share the word with us today. <laughs> Father God, we thank you for Mr. Dvorak. Andrew, pray that you would bless him. Thank you for the words that you have given him to share. Um, we uh, open up our hearts right now, Lord, to you. Whether we're here, inside the room, at home, watching this at a later date, we open up our heart and our head and our ears to listen from you. And I pray that you would allow us to listen and respond both intellectually and also emotionally this morning, which can be hard for some of us, especially us guys like Ducky was sharing. And so we pray that you would help those of us who need help to do that in Jesus' name. Amen. And by the way, it is sunny, so if you want to move into the sun, it's quite a bit warmer. FYI. Well, good morning, everyone. It's good to be with you all. Uh, the last time I shared with you, it was a little bit warmer outside. <laughs> so we're all troopers, I think, for, for bearing with it. Um, so last time talked about lament, and, and this time is going to be a bit of a continuation of that. I'm definitely going to speak and share for a while, but we also really want to get to the destination of putting this into practice, of being able to um, kind of lean into what lamenting really is all about and, and can look like. And so we'll have some time to, to process and um, even practice uh, towards the end here. So as we press into the topic of lament, there's so much uh, for us to explore and to consider. And I would say that lament is, is much more than, than just a topic. And uh, I'd like to share just two stories to consider at the, at the front end of this. Um, first is of Ryan. And Ryan encountered um, through a, just a real nasty loss of employment, um, a fracture in life. 
And for Ryan, just the way he chose to respond was uh, to tough it out, to pull him up himself up by his bootstraps, um, to plow ahead and to, to forge ahead without letting on to others where he was really at. And um, the experience that he had, this, this fracture in life was, was weighty enough that it even kind of allowed him, caused him to be disillusioned about the Lord and um, just really strike out on his own. And then the other story is, uh, is a guy named Josh who he and his wife were married a couple years ago. And um, like life isn't perfect, but they were enjoying navigating marriage and life together. Uh, but then something happened to him as well, uh, a fracture in his life of um, something really significant in a negative way between uh, his in-laws, um, family of his wife. And he chose to respond in a way that he just closed off. He shut down, um, removed himself in, in many different ways. Um, and I think both those, the, the toughing it out or giving up, are pretty natural, common responses that we have when we experience these life fractures. Uh, but the question to really pursue is, is that an example of lament, at least in a biblical sense? And I believe that lament is a, a posture of our heart, something that we do on the inside. Um, it's a position that we can take to, to, to choose to respond to the brokenness in the world that we live in. And that brokenness can be felt in a real broad, general, universal sense. I think we're all aware that life isn't perfect. <laughs> and then that brokenness can also be felt in a more personal, individualized way where the people that I'm directly in connection with or circumstances that I'm directly tied to, uh, there's been a breakdown of some kind. And the Lord directs us in the midst of the sorrow and the anguish and the darkness and the emptiness um, to point those things and ourselves to Him. So not only is biblical lament uh, an in your inward heart posture, it also looks like outward actions that we take. And it is work, it is effort on our part. And that can be challenging, and that can be uncomfortable, and that can be new. So we're going to examine lament as it is found and demonstrated in Scripture. Uh, last time we, we took a peek at uh, Psalm 13. And so we are going to be doing that again today. So if you have a phone or a Bible, just know that soon we'll be jumping into Psalm 13 again. And uh, our objective during this time is to begin lifting the exercise of lament or the concept of lament that's found in Scripture and starting to get it settled into our lived experience in our real lives, in the actual day-to-day -day hard stuff. Um, these are lives that are full of complexities and full of intricacies, our lives are full of highs and lows, ups and downs. Uh, we have joyful expectations, and then we have heart-wrenching disruptions that happen along the way. So it's when, not if, these disruptions occur. How will we respond? And so it's one thing for us to sit uh, and listen and nod our head and politely engage with a sermon on Sunday morning, but how then does that translate to, you know, a couple weeks down the road and something significant may happen um, if we are just kind of taking this as um, nice biblical truth that we just kind of lock away and kind of have in our heads somewhere, um, we're missing something so, so much more uh, to be informed and formed and reformed by Scripture, by the truth of God's Word that applies in very real ways into our life. And again, lamenting may be something in our culture or our backgrounds, our families, our upbringings that... Um, 
maybe isn't like well understood or well practiced. So we're gonna help try to, to pursue this concept and, and take it more than just being conceptual, but being practical and, and literal. Um, so we will have that time uh, later on. And it, although it may feel clumsy, it may feel awkward at first, I think that in time uh, with one another and with God, uh, we can become more proficient at it. And to take that step out of that vulnerability, um, it does take vulnerability. It takes that openness. And that's uncomfortable. There's, there's reasons why we're not talking about it. <laughs> there's reasons why we're not exposing it. Um, but if we can bring those things into light, that we can shine God's light into it, we're going to find that much more freedom, I believe, that much more um, peace and subtleness and uh, breakthrough even. So if I were to summarize this entire message into a single sentence, it would be this. God gives us the example, language, and capacity to respond to the fractures of this life in light of Him and His wholeness. So life, we've got brokenness. In God, there's wholeness. And that is to say that in this world, we're going to have troubles. Jesus said it first. <laughs> he gave us the heads up. There are things in this world that are wrong. Injustice is real. Division is real. Sickness is real. Death is real. The enemy of God is real. And there are things in this world that simply don't feel good. It doesn't take very much time on this earth to experience discomfort. It is human and natural to feel. I believe it's a gift of God to us that we can feel that a cause does have an effect, that things that happen to us or around us make us think certain things, have physiological actual feelings um, that, that change things. And I think it's how we respond to those uh, events that's critical. And so each of us has an opportunity to respond to what we feel. We may choose to stuff those feelings down and even grow numb uh, comfortable feeling numb to certain things because we just we'd rather not experience what those feelings are and we may ch uh, choose to be just completely overrun that things are chaotically swirling around us and we just are so burdened and so overwhelmed that we're just um, it just piles upon us and we're feeling more than we maybe even want to feel so we got the numbness on one end and we've got like over feeling on the other end and neither one of them uh, left to themselves are really uh, where God is, is calling us to and it, it doesn't really allow um, unless we allow it to um, for God to, to be involved so we can cope limp along or resist dealing with life's fractures only for so long at some point we're going to reach a breaking point we're going to reach the end of ourselves and things are going to come out sideways one way or the other and if we can uh, even before that reaching point, uh, ending point, um, reach out to God, get His influence, His uh, perspective, His involvement is going to be that much healthier for us as individuals, for those we are in connection with, and uh, if enough of us do this, for the, the world as a whole. When our natural methods of response fail and our human capacities are overload, uh, overloaded, we need a better way. We need to have something that's outside of just ourselves. And this is where I feel that lament, as demonstrated in the Bible, comes into play. So again, Psalm 13 is a prime example of how the Bible teaches us to lament. And so let's, uh, if you have it open, or if not, just you can read along hearing what I say. So Psalm 13, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? 
How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death, lest my enemy say, I have prevailed over him, lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. So I think the beauty of this kind of psalm, of this lament, is that it doesn't stay in those dark, lonely, depressed places. Even though the author and the very real surroundings that he finds himself in may not have changed yet in the physical sense, something is changing on an internal, spiritual, faith level. I believe that lament gives us new wisdom uh, and new vision. Lament reframes things and enlarges our scope to include God and his perspective in our vision. If we're just having what we can see in the natural, that what we can see with ourselves, uh, when things are super tough, sometimes it doesn't feel like there's, there's any way out. There's nothing that we can do. But if we can gain more of God's perspective and allow our perspective to involve his, it's going to be that much better. And to clarify, this is not about conjuring up good feelings or putting our hope into some flimsy and false thing. It's the exact opposite. It's taking the reality of whatever brokenness we are facing, as broken and fragmented as it may be, and directing that to God. It's taking ourselves in the midst of the broken times and directing ourselves to God. And similarly, it's allowing God to burst in to that brokenness, to allow his light to shine into that darkness, to allow his wholeness to just envelop the brokenness that we're experiencing. Scripture gives us great examples of how we do this. So lament is found in Psalm, in Psalm 13. is focused in two places. There's the focus on the very harsh reality of the author's circumstances. And there's a focus on an even greater reality, on who God is and what he does. God's nature and God's character. The psalmist proclaims to himself, speaking to his very soul, that he will find victory from God. And whether that victory comes in the form of actual circumstances and events changing, or whether that victory comes from actual uh, inward events and circumstances changing, that victory is coming. The psalmist has substantive hope because of God and God alone. It's not because of God and hopefully this enemy will run away from me. Uh, He's at his end. He can't go any further on his own and hope for success. He needs God's intervention. So lament is acknowledging the deprivation within the circumstances that we find ourselves in and acknowledging that God is the only source of true hope, of true rescue, of true restoration. The psalmist travels on the journey of despair to joy, that journey from lament to praise. In just a few short verses, Psalm 13 is just six verses long, And he takes this like life-changing journey that we're invited to take as well. It's available for us. And there's more for us to consider on this topic. It's not just isolated into Psalms. And it's not just isolated to Psalm 13. 
But before going any further, I think it may be good to, to clarify what I do not mean by biblical lament. So in like seventh, eighth grade, I had a teacher uh, who had a sign up by their desk, and it was an image of a, a glass of wine, and had one of those you know, red circles with the slash through it. And below, it said, no wine allowed. And wine was spelled W-H-I-N-E. Um, maybe you're thinking as you're listening, and you go, I'm not a whiner. I'm not one to get knocked around by life and to throw a tantrum or throw a pity party for myself. Um, I think that's a, a good method to take, but it's, it's falling short of what we're talking by lament. Uh, you might be the type of person who really doesn't let on to others uh, when you're facing a challenge or a difficulty. It's always worked out before. You're going to figure this one out too. And whining isn't going to change anything. Uh, I think it's good that we don't whine. <laughs> if we're looking at this in uh, the topic of lament in, in terms of our emotional development and maturity, uh, absolutely. Like the Bible is not calling us to be those who grumble, uh, to be those who are full of complaint or, or whining. Um, when these fractures in life happen, our, our character is certainly tested and God isn't calling us to have low or weak character. But again, we are not talking about whining when we're talking about lament. I think the caution that I would give to an approach that's kind of more whining or just taking it for ourselves and, and forging on ahead is just looking at the root of it. That if we're just going to take it on the chin and stoically, unflinchingly handle the conflict or the difficulties with our own sheer grit or self-sufficient stubborn, uh, stubbornness, uh, we're missing um, that root is, is with us, and we're missing having that initiate and begin with God. So Psalm 13, it shows that we're not to minimize, ignore, or try to overpower our negative circumstances by our own strength and might. Lament, as shown in the Bible, is a full reception and acknowledgement of the reality of the fractures of our life. And it is also a full reception and acknowledgement of the wholeness of God. So again, we have that dichotomy of the brokenness that we're so well aware of on earth in our human lives and the wholeness of God that is completely other than human. God gives us the language, the example, the capacity to respond to the fractures of this life in light of him and of his wholeness. So when the disruptions come, we are not called to stuff away the difficult feelings or handle the, own, the situation by our own doing. And this can be difficult because this is maybe that kind of response is what we've been taught, what's been celebrated, what's been championed, is that we're self-sufficient, we're Americans, we've got this, we can figure it out. Um, but God is calling us to a different reality, a different response. We are called to direct whatever that difficulty is to God and allow for him uh, to not necessarily take the problem and make it go away, uh, but to take us in the midst of that problem and to lose that anxiety, to lose that lack of peace, um, to lose that fear, uh, even if the problem doesn't go away, that we can be in a better spot emotionally um, and relationally with God and, and others. Peace, I think, is, is such a a byproduct that lament can help bring about. And peace, um, I think we never realize how good peace is until we're feeling a lack of peace. When we're jittery and we're anxious and we're fearful, 
that peace is a, is a precious, precious thing and something that God calls us to experience. And um, I think lament can be one of the routes that we, we get to experience that peace. And Psalm 13 is not the only psalm that captures lament. There are many others. Some would say that the majority of the psalms are related to lament in some form or another. Others would say that about a third of the Psalter is uh, a lament psalm of some form or another. Um, but in any case, uh, finding psalms of lament uh, is not rare. But the common thread among them is the, the structure that they firstly point out the awfulness of the situation going, around, going on around the person or the people who are lamenting. And then they lead to the awesomeness of the reality of God, of his nature, his character, who he is and what he does. The perspective of the lamenter is not limited only to the pain. Their scope is broadened in remembering God, which then leads to praise. And so from that, we can see that in the Psalms of Lament, there's past experience from God that they're building upon. Um, I think that's a call to us as well, that even in the mundane, common times when there's nothing significantly great or significantly awful going on, that we are building and developing that, our relationship with God, not just to benefit that moment, but so that when those fractures do come up, we can uh, be built upon a more solid uh, footing in our faith relationship with God, that we can call to mind, you know, God is faithful. God is victorious. He's done this. He can do it again. And even if that problem doesn't get taken away, he can change me from the inside out. And the Psalms are not the only place in the Bible that we find a connection to lament. Isaiah 53 describes the suffering servant. And we're not going to read Isaiah 53 here and now, but I would encourage you, um, in light of what we're talking about lament, to, to take a look this week at Isaiah 53. And we'll come across words like despised, rejected, sorrow, grief, crushed, afflicted, oppressed. Those are all like lament-connected words. And Jesus, who is the suffering servant, was acquainted with grief. We see in the Gospels just how human Jesus was. He lived on this earth as fully God and fully human. He had feelings. There were difficulties that he was faced with. Difficulties that we can't even imagine to the degree that he was experiencing them. And there was emotions that he expressed. We all know the shortest, book, uh, shortest verse of the Bible. Shout it out if you're thinking of it. Jesus wept. So Jesus knew that Lazarus had died. And he knew that, Jesus, uh, that Lazarus was going to be raised to from the dead very soon. And nevertheless, he wept. Jesus set that example of fully receiving and acknowledging the reality of our human brokenness, as well as fully receiving and acknowledging the wholeness of God. So if Jesus did that as fully God, how much more ought we to be doing that as well? And currently, um, there's so much brokenness going on around us. Uh, we look at our nation and the world, I think, looks to, uh, besides just Americans, who the next president of the United States is going to be. And maybe you haven't had this experience, but you know, it doesn't take talking too long with too many people to realize there's a vast array of opinions <laughs> of American politics and, and the, next, uh, the direction of the country. And then we think of uh, the virus that has run across 
the world. It's not our state. It's not America only. It's the world over. And many people have died. Many have become sick. Many have become fearful. And there's been so many other effects that have happened. And we think of the sparks of vehemence and grief concerning racial prejudice and inequality that have combusted into flames of aggression and violence. In this time, disunity, division, and violence are tangible realities that you don't have to go far in physical distance or relational depth to encounter. Sometimes society as a whole feels as though it is shaking. And then on top of that, or maybe connected to that, we all have our own more personally felt fractures, difficulty in family relationships, marital struggles, challenges with colleagues or members of our community, fear, anxiety, and stress. All of these things and so much more are worth lamenting over. And so it's worth us digging into, pressing into what biblical lament looks like so that we can uh, engage with it in a healthy, life-giving way. And again, it feels like something in our culture, lament feels like it's not really championed or really known or expressed that well. Uh, maybe that's my own experience and yours is different. Uh, but scripture teaches us how to be well acqu acquainted with grief and to be well acquainted with God. And so in this way, lament is a gift because it's not ignoring these harsh realities. It's allowing us to feel how God designed us to feel, but doesn't leave us in a depression. It leads us to God and his victory and his wholeness with his character, his truth. And so when we get overwhelmed and overcome, we need something greater than ourselves. We need the gospel. We need the inbreaking of the kingdom of heaven here on earth. We need the peace, the unity, the healing, the holistic wellness, restoration, and redemption that the gospel proclaims and delivers from God the Father, through the Son, by the power of the Holy Spirit. The centrality of the cross and Christ's work upon it and his resurrection cannot and must not be overlooked or minimized to any degree. We as human beings cannot save ourselves. Try as we might, it's not going to end as well as we'd hoped for. We need the free gift of salvation that God gives us, offers to us. The kind of salvation that does not just alter the end of our uh, lives, doesn't just alter our eternal destiny, but gives us hope and security on our earthly journey, even when we encounter the fractures. So we must passionately follow after the God who knows exactly what it's like to be human. I think it's fair to say that Jesus embodied the kind of lament that we are talking about. His example and what he started in his earthly ministry ought to beckon us into unabashed follower, followership and discipleship of the resurrected, crucified Lord, carrying on with and into the mission and work that he has already begun. And this is real. This is substantive. This is relevant and transcends culture and time. The kingdom of heaven is at hand, and we must not tarry or hold back our full participation with and in it. Again, God gives us the example, the language, and the capacity to respond to the fractures of this life in light of him and his wholeness. As we think back to those two stories that we shared in the beginning, the one chose to just tough it out, go his own way, and the other chose to just kind of give up, shut down. Neither one of them 
we're really engaging with this idea of biblical lament, of taking those harsh realities and directing them to God and taking God and allowing him to um, be directed into their brokenness, into the darkness with his light and wholeness. So there's a pastor who, who writes about lament. Pastor Mark Vrokop, I think that's his name, describes lament as this. Lament talks to God about pain, and it has a unique purpose, trust. It is a divinely given invitation to pour out our fears, frustrations, and sorrows for the purpose of helping us to renew our confidence in God. And then he goes on to outline four basic steps uh, to how we practice biblical lament. So those four steps are turn to God, bring your complaint, and maybe we could change out complaint to our, our difficult reality. Ask boldly for help and choose to trust. So I'll say those four again. Turn to God, bring your complaint, or difficult reality. Ask boldly for help and choose to trust. Uh, so Paul's going to come up and uh, kind of close out this time. But then we are going to gather together and, and just really kind of lean into this and and put it into practice. So, Thank you, Paul. I wonder if anyone here is like me. As I hear something like this, I, I acknowledge, I believe, that I don't like negative talk. And to lament, it, I think it has sounded negative to me. And I agree with you that it's right there. I mean, it's in the scripture. So uh, I don't think I've been good at properly lamenting. Anybody else, anybody identify with that? With, okay, quite a few of us. That because I don't want to be pessimistic, I think I've missed something about the reality that sets one up. Can you help me here? <laughs> I, I think some of us need help so that we don't feel like we're being negative. Are you, you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, uh, yeah, having that, viewing it more as a, a vulnerability of an open and willingness to identify it. It's not saying that, oh, woe is me, or um, look how bad my life is. It's not getting into that negative headspace. It's just identifying the truth and the reality of the difficulty and then bringing that to the Lord and seeing his involvement in that. I think I might have to ask my wife for forgiveness because I think sometimes when she starts sharing something that's tough, I, it sounds to me like negative thinking. And I think it's the beginning of a lament, and it could, could lead right to where you're talking about. And it's so clear in Scripture that I, we, we can't, can't keep from acknowledging that God put it in the book. So uh, I want to I want to learn that. If if some of you have questions, if you can you can come up here and, or take the mic. Uh, what we're going to do in in a moment uh, is is practice this in small groups, like you and your spouse or you and your friend. Uh, I uh, I appreciate what Andrew has brought to us. So did you want to say something here? Here she comes. Don't be negative. Do you have now. a list of times he did that to you? <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs>
Well, I, I think the Lord has made us women uh, just a little bit more sensitive. I mean, sometimes it's, it's different. Like Steve, my brother, was saying he cries more. But as you know, uh, he said, in the movies. <laughs> so what is really in his heart? You know, Stephen? <laughs> I'll have a talk with you afterwards. He's my younger brother. Uh, and and so we can kid each other about this. Uh, but but back to the, uh, it's, it's still back to the lamenting. Um, I was amazed. I wrote down because uh, on my notebook, as you were talking, Andrew, uh, you know, the Lord cares about and numbers our, the hairs of our head, the tears that we cry. And I wrote down, that is uh, absolutely frivolous. Uh, how could the Lord be, you know, taking time for that? And if he does, then he knows every single thought of ours. And I think, you know, as, as husbands and wives or, or even with a friend, we want to have our feelings validated. Uh, because if we have that feeling, oftentimes when we're having a conversation... <laughs> A heated conversation, we will sometimes say, "Well, that is not what I said or meant." But but then the other person might say, "That would be probably especially me." But that is how I felt. And so to be able to say to the Lord, "This is how I feel," and and yes, be vulnerable. It's not always the easiest thing because you want to be growing up and independent, and I'm fine. I'm just fine, <laughs> but yeah. that's covering. I, th I think if I learn this, I think this will cut some of our arguments short, honey. I, I think it'll, they'll last less. They won't be so lengthy. Yeah, so I, I acknowledge my need for what Andrew is talking about. And uh, Ruth, did you want to, you can't say it from there. If you want to come up, you're welcome uh, to come and say it, Ruth. Come up to the front. Just toward the end, when you were starting to talk mm -hmm. after the message, um, the verse that came to mind is, cast your burdens upon the Lord, and he shall sustain thee. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So we kind of have to acknowledge what they are yeah. to be able to do that well, I sure. guess. Sure. Thank you. Indeed. So uh, what we would invite you to do then is, uh, following the benediction, we'd like to take a moment or several moments to practice this. And uh, if you're here with a spouse, that would seem to be a natural way, or with the, uh, pick a friend and uh, try to do this. Try to acknowledge uh, in, in a straightforward way. And I, I, don't th I don't think I always do that well because I'm too cotton picking positive. <laughs> and I, I, think I, I think I have to learn that there's, some, there's a reality to the, to, the, to the depth of brokenness in the world that needs to be fully acknowledged. That's what I'm hearing. And I'll, we'll probably need some more help on this down the line a few months, Andrew. So we'll, we'll hopefully bring you back. Thank you for bringing this to our attention. And it's certainly biblical. It's right there. So uh, appreciate you. Andrew is, uh, is in his last year of seminary. And 
they will be going. Their plan uh, is it okay if I if I sh- share? Their plan is to go to Australia, where Larissa will study midwifery, and then after that, they expect God to launch them into whatever that might look like. Probably over more likely overseas than here. So uh, at some point, we'll have to say goodbye to him or f- farewell or. In Hebrew, it's lehitraot. It means I'll see you around. I'll see you later. So we'll we'll catch you later. So I'm going to uh, declare the Lord's blessing on your life. The benediction isn't just a way to end a service. It's an actual blessing from God to us in the midst of our brokenness. And this is what he says to us today. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you. The Lord look upon you with his favor. What could be more wonderful than the favor of Almighty God? And grant you, out of that comes peace. And give you his peace. In the name of the Father and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.